Welcome to my podcast where I talk about all things related to money, mindset, finance, business, and investing. My name is Royston Kambabachi, qualified accountant with over 30 years' experience in finance and business. Coming from- hey, welcome to the next episode of the Financial Intelligence Mindset Podcast, and we bring you different uh, guests from different backgrounds all the time. And we got uh, a young man with us today from uh, London, uh, one of my favorite cities in the world. I lived there for a long time. And his name is JJC. I can't pronounce his name properly, but he's a property man. Originally uh, working in the city of London, and then for and then he's been in property for around ten years, and now we do property development. So Jay, welcome. Jay, please introduce yourself and tell us why did you pick say properties as a, a business? Sure. Now, firstly, Royston, thank you for having me on. Um, really, really appreciate that. So yeah, like Royston said, my name's Jay. The surname's Chahan. So yeah, I appreciate Royston's struggle with that. I can understand why. Uh, as he also said, yeah, based in London, full-time property developer now, and uh, been in property for around 12, 12 years now. Um, and the reason why I wanted to transition from working full-time in the city was I I'm just not made for the nine to five, man. Like just <laughs> That's just not me. Um, yeah, I know, always, yeah. always had it sort of in my mind that I was going to m- jump at some point. And yes, yeah, I guess uh, 12 years later, that, that's obviously happened and uh, yeah, fully immersed in property. And the reason why I chose property as a vehicle is it you know, can create just not initial wealth, but genuine passion for putting out a quality product in terms of design-led homes is what, what we're about. Um and yeah, it's uh, it, it's, uh, it's it's a good way as well to to meet people that we also partner with to to invest with. So yeah, it, it brings that's, both things together. That's cool, cool, cool. So I mean, growing up, I guess like you grew up in around London, is that correct? Um, yeah. So I was born in Reading, actually. So yeah, just outside London. All right, all right. And, and then from a family settings, were like were there other people in the, in, in your family who were investors or business people, or were you like someone who just decided? This is kind of what I want to do. Yeah, so no, good question. So my my father was what I'd call probably, a, he was a hustler. Like he actually <laughs> came to this country, he used to work on a market stall. So as a kid, yeah. I was sort of exposed to that, if you like. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and when you're exposed to things like that, you sort of pick up that, you know, hard work goes a long way. You know, so he, you know, from working in a market stall, he then managed to acquire a couple of properties, but he never really took it much further than that. He was quite comfortable with that, which is fine. Um, You know, everyone's got their limits or boundaries that they're happy with. But I'd probably say that definitely brought some sort of effort to to, to the way I operate. Um, But in terms of development and stuff, no, that's that's all brand new. It's uh, all new to me. Okay, yeah. So coming from your background, I mean, I'm, I'm just going back still on your backstory. You know, like, I mean, like, for example, when I was growing up, I guess, like you, my mom is a hustler. My mom is still a hustler. Not in like a big hustler, like, you know, like they say, like in the West, because she's in the Caribbean. But she's, she always works, does farming, does sewing, does sell stuff, you know. So I always had that kind of hustler mentality as well. But um, when you were growing up, just from an educational perspective, were you like told to get a good education or were you like encouraged to um, do a business? Yeah, no, a brilliant question. But so obviously I'm from an Indian background. So yeah, yeah, of course. you can relate Royston. Like, of course, yes. Indian culture is, yeah, go to school, 
get an education, yeah, ideally top three, be a doctor, a dentist or a lawyer. Yeah. And I was, yeah. So I, I did have that. I, I had that, you know, that sort of pressure, if you like, to do that. But whilst I, to begin with, I enjoyed school, but I was getting older. It wasn't for me. I just didn't, you know, I couldn't, couldn't relate with the, the studying of it. Um, you know, entrepreneurship, starting a business wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't heard of. Like it just wasn't talked about at school. You never had that. Uh, the closest, I think, subject-wise that we had was like economics. It's not really telling you how to, you know, start a business compared to yeah. now. It's fair to say that entrepreneurship is is through the roof. You know, everyone's everyone's looking to to get something off the ground. So yeah, yeah, growing up, I wasn't exposed to any of that. It was like you said, get an education, settle down, get your nine to five. But I've always been someone who likes going against the grain. So. Uh, if someone tells me something, I'm like, no, nah, there's got to be another way. What? Why do I need to do it that way? Ah, cool, cool, cool. That's cool, man. And, and then you said, like, so you spent many, many years in the city. And, and so you actually built up your business. We actually understand it. Is that you did it the way most people do it. Like you were hustling or you are you working nine to five. And then you build your business on the side, isn't it? Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't start in property development. So what I did start doing was uh, investing whilst I was working in the city in South Wales. So it was like a good 200 miles away. So yeah. that had its own challenges as well. But when people ask me, what was the reason you started there? I'd rather start somewhere there. Obviously, you you can probably relate with because you've got properties in London. Now, I think I bought my first house for about 38 grand. Yeah, in London, I don't think wow. you can pick a, a car parking space for that. You know, you probably can't pick a garden up for that. So it's that exposure that if something was to go wrong, you know, there's always lessons. Anyone who says there's not, nothing goes wrong in property, I'll just call them out. I don't, I don't think that's the case. But, um, yeah, it was the exposure levels. You know, I was comfortable with that, that at that level, if I was to get sort of hit in any capacity, then it wouldn't be so bad. Um, and it yeah. was just learning about it as well. You know, I did a, a fair few of them in South Wales before yeah. then having a realisation that I need to come back close to home and start, you know, building some real generation wealth. Cool, cool, cool. All right, so if you're going to advise your younger self or your younger brother or someone who's getting the properties right now, don't have any money, um, maybe they're 20, 22, like my son actually, um, and they want to get the properties, I mean, what would you advise them as a way, as a kind of a blueprint of how them, bearing in mind that house prices in London are through the roof, as you mm-hmm. said, you you went to South Wales anyway. I mean, um, I myself, you're right. When I started out, I went on the outskirts of London. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if, if you're going to advise someone right now who, who wants to get in the property, how would you advise them to go about it using your experience? Sure. So I think you can't beat experience. So what I mean by that is there's plenty of material out there to learn from. Uh, mm-hmm. What I would say is be careful because there's also a lot of people you can learn from that aren't really teaching you how it is so yeah. you know i'm a very it's something i'm big on is uh very conscious about people getting burnt from property education yeah um but i think you know if you can find someone perhaps especially if you're younger like i said 2022 and you want to find out a bit more about property but you don't know maybe a certain strategy or what, what you want to you know what you really want to do find someone who you can maybe learn from um you know, even if you offer them your time and say, look, I'm willing to work with you. I just want to learn a little bit more. You could do it that way. If maybe you're a bit older or you've got some 
you know, capital sitting in the bank, which as you might, might know is doing next to nothing right now with interest rates, you know, partner up with someone. A lot, lot of people, you know, we do it, we call it like a learn and earn opportunity. So yeah. you can sort of partner with us, find out a bit more about how it works, the ins and outs, but at the same time, you're still actually at least making your money work for you, which I think at this moment in time is an uh, important thing. But um, yeah, I'd say there's plenty of stuff that you can look at online uh, to get educated. And then really, once I think you've found something that you're interested in, you need to you know con- focus on that. You know, We call it the shiny penny syndrome. Don't get distracted by so many different strategies out there. You know, it's happened to me. I, I get distracted easily. I still to this yeah. day, I do. <laughs> so if you can really focus on something for at least 12 months, 12 to 18 months, and then just give it your all and, uh, and see how, how you fare. Yeah, it's amazing what you said, because um, um, it's kind of like if you read the book, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, he said, yeah. like, Robert, Robert Kiyosaki said, the rich don't work for money, you know, the, yeah. the rich work for skills, right? So what, you're saying, so what you're saying is that someone who is hungry, that wants to get a property, don't focus on how much money you can make right now. No. Focus on how much you can learn from people... 100%. Who have made money from property, you know? Yeah, because one well, thing that, you know, you, you, if you can take this with you is that, you know, if you were to get involved in a project and you lost money, one thing you can't lose is your knowledge. Yeah. So you yeah. can, you know, plenty of people get knocked down, but it's the people who get up. One thing they haven't lost is, you know, the knowledge. And if you can learn from what went wrong and then put that together with the knowledge you've got, you know, you're forced to be reckoned with moving forward. So, yeah, definitely, I'd, I'd agree with that. Is don't worry about focusing on the numbers. Uh, you know, to earn, I need to earn so much money. Focus on, you know, learning and building yeah. up skill set. I agree. I agree. Cool. 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 Yeah. So, okay. So, so you 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 obviously started on the sidelines. Then you started. I guess you said have some traction, and then. I mean, taking the plunge, like you know, I mean, I took the plunge. You know, leaving the city to do your your thing full time. I mean, what was it like for you? And was it that thing of like, you had to make sure you had enough money to last a certain time? I mean, what, what, what were some of the things that you thought, yeah, I, I can take the plunge at this point in time? Yeah, so I probably, in hindsight, probably plunged, took the plunge too early. But <laughs> yeah. you know, what, at that time, what was going through, there is never going to be a right time. So yeah. let's do it now. You know, I had, I think, a couple of projects on the go in Wales. It was difficult to um, sort of manage that as well as working full time because obviously the distance as well to get down there. Granted, I had a good team there, but you still want to, you know, make sure that you've got your eyes on it because ultimately it's, it's your project. You know, you're, you're all going to care about it the most. So I think I took the plunge probably too early, but at that time I thought, well, I've got projects here, I've got more lined up. Let's just go for it because there will never be a right time if I could maybe give my younger self some advice would be jump as late as you can really put, you know, if you can really sort of hold back and um, look to work, you know, effectively two jobs. So yeah, you will be have to put the graft in and work after hours, but especially if you're young, you know, that's the time to do it. If you can uh, sacrifice, you know, short-term pain for long-term gain, definitely do it that way. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. So how much money would you say someone need to have in terms of like a cash runway or a cash reserve or a cash buffer before kind of like jumping out on their own? Yeah, so again, obviously I don't know what someone might be looking at strategy-wise, but I'd probably at least, I'd probably say at least 12 months salary as a buffer. Like, yeah. You know, and that's based on at least with you really going for it for, for 12 months. Um, 
I'd say, as a minimum, that that would be it um, as a, as a buffer. Yeah. All right, cool, cool. All right. So now you've been in business for like you said twelve years almost in property at least. So talk to us about about, about, about Backshare Corporate. What do you actually do? I mean, how do you add value to customers? Who is your typical customer? Just talk to us about the business. Yeah, sure. So Barch Corporate was formed in 2017, stroke back end of that. Uh, so that is the residential development company. So we partner with, we call them investor partners, to collaborate to provide design-led homes for the private rental and sales market. Predominantly, you know, we retain a lot of stock, but we now, obviously, like we talked off, off sort of camera that, the market's hot right now, so we're also looking at you know using market conditions to to sell properties as, as well. Yeah, yeah, that's cool, that's cool, that's cool. So, it, and you cover like you said, I think many London and the southeast is that correct? Or London, yes, and it, surrounding it's, it's areas, like London and the home counties. You know, we we like to be in areas where it's probably not as important now because of what's happened the last eighteen months with uh, mm-hmm. COVID, but. To have that ability for someone to jump into London within half hour, it, it's just a model that's worked with us for us. Yeah, yeah. Um, we also focus on a specific price point so that it's helping people who are looking to jump on the ladder, start a home, or even second homes um, with that price point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would imagine that when someone is looking to do a refurb or whatever it might be like that, you have to go in and cost the project. Am I correct? I mean, so. Was that so? Was costing a project and making sure that you you price the project properly was it something that you learned like I don't know through your uh, training or I mean like through your either the property training or on the job or something that you learned like in your business? Yeah, I'd say ultimately the the biggest learnings have come from actual life projects. You know, I yeah. I probably you know like made made a fair few mistakes and it's it's diff- it's weird how it's changed like you just mentioned that you know so i would have learned more about refurb costs initially from just general builders now on some of our project well the projects we've got now we have qs's you know who set up you know specific specified cost listing so it's developed a lot in that way whereas first i'd be pricing it up with a builder to find out what it is you know on a general refurb what they charge and trying to find out why that is now yeah external consultants who sort of do that for us on the larger projects i understand with someone who goes and do a full evaluation and say this is what you might need this is the cost this is the materials I understand i mean labor that kind of stuff yeah that's so it, more, yeah. yeah yeah so more detailed costing now so thinking about obviously my, my the podcast is called financial intelligence mindset podcast but thinking about property management or refurbish or whatever you're doing properties how much of financial knowledge would you say one need to be successful or financial management? Because obviously you are dealing with big chunks of money, I would imagine. Mm. So how, how much would you say that, that you, you need to have at least financial discipline or financial skills here? Yeah, how important is that? Is that? Yeah, I'd say like taking like a development project as an example, it's, it's crucial because you have to essentially, you know, you're working with banks and what they want to know is, is their money safe? Is it being is it going to be repaid on time? And are you going to come come in on your project within budget? It's it's just the fundamentals that they're looking for. So I think you have also external bank consultants who will be coming in, having a look at your project, seeing you know what your costings are like. So if you can improve that skill set and make sure that, like you said, you've got financial sort of acumen around that. 
then it mm-hmm. definitely helps um, with managing properties and managing projects. Yeah. And do you feel like the educational system are kind of give you that financial acumen or as you said, it's mainly something that you have to learn on the job? Yeah, I, I'll be honest, I can't recall to you now and say anything that I've picked up from you know, <laughs> my education has, uh, has helped me to date, um, you know, with what I'm doing. So yeah, yeah. it could be different for everyone else, but yeah, I can't turn around and say, do you know what, Royston, yeah, I learned about financial modelling, which now I'm using now, but no, that's not, not the case for me. Wow, wow, wow. So it's more like, more like you actually learn on the job, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, so you mentioned that you had some losses. I mean, what, what are some of the, what, what is the biggest, you're going to call it, financial setback you had, or financial loss you had? And, and, and in hindsight, why do you think that was? Well, um, we've had it on a project where developed 12, 12 flats, like beautiful, beautiful building, um, you know, very well received by the market, the agents ready to sell. Uh, and then we were about to launch them and, uh, well, firstly, Brexit hit. Oh. So, uh, our tar- like I said, our target market is people looking for starter homes. And yeah. I think, uh, I can't remember exactly what the stat is, but I think it's number two or three, the biggest lender to first-time buyers is the bank of mum and dad. So they yes, are backed- yes, yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, so they're backed by family. Um, but Brexit, obviously must have put them, made them a little bit wary. So the market just went completely, uh, completely dead for sales. So we had to, we had to take a view on what to do, um, decided just to hold the units and rent them. Yeah. So we rented them, uh, rented all really well. I think it was for about 12 to 18 months, just maybe just yeah. under. And then we started just relaunching them to market. But this time we thought we wanted to just sell the whole block. Yeah. Um, and then from there, we had good interest. We had actually a, a government sort of care provider who wanted to buy the whole block. Uh, they offered full asking price as well, which for a block of 12 is quite rare because normally people command a little bit of a discount. And then we got hit with COVID. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, they pulled out. They just pulled oh, out. No. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. no. Yes. Yeah. So, um yeah, that 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 was a battle because that's obviously we had to hold that for longer than anticipated, and yeah. obviously with that comes holding costs uh, that you know I'll be honest didn't account for them because didn't anticipate what was happening, and I didn't know obviously Brexit Brexit was going to have that impact, and obviously no one knew that COVID was coming, so um, yeah, that was uh, yeah that that was a big big uh, big lesson to learn um, in terms of what I could take from that. Um, it's hard because, like I said, I, I really, you know, I didn't have a crystal ball to know that, you know, COVID was coming or anything like that. But I think it's probably just to always, you know, be on your toes and just, you know, always trying your best to be wary of what might be around the corner and just making sure that you're uh, uh, you're fully as, as ready as you can be, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So is this 12 flats? Is that flats that you are, you are kind of doing for yourself on your own books? Like you actually... Um, your company actually bought them and developed them to flip them. Is, is that correct? Is that yeah, saying? that's right. Yeah, so it's bought under the entity, uh, under sort of our company, Barch Corporate. So we have yeah. uh, office, it was commercial building. So we yeah. uh, uh, repurposed it to to 12 Re- units. Residential, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and yeah, we, um, we had an investor on that as well. So he contributed some funds towards it and learned about the process because he'd never done a, commercial conversion before so that was good as well and you know it's, it was a really good uh, really good experience for him and us 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it makes sense. So is that your main model or, or is your model mainly working with people who have homes and then you go into the refurbish or do you do a mixture of like some you buy and some you buy and fix and sell or, or mainly some you just like worked with the owners who have the places? Yeah, I'd say our, our main model is working with mainly landowners. So we yeah. like work with site owners where you know we feel our skill set is adding that value through planning expertise because we have got... Yeah pretty good professional team who you know can understand the latest planning constraints and policies so we look to work with site owners to add that value maximize that value as we call it to um, then go out and either build that out with them or buy the site from them and do it ourselves okay so it's something like your business have grown quite a bit isn't it in terms of from where you started to where you are now because you mentioned you you have a team now and all that kind of stuff so yeah. I guess, um, yeah, so so thinking back about that, I mean, I mean, how do you go about growing the business? I mean, how do you, like, I mean, what kind of, uh, I mean, some people, for example, they don't always leverage their money or multiply up the money, you know what I mean? So how do you, once you start having a couple of small deals and you made money, I mean, how do you go about making it business bigger? Yeah, so it's, um, you know, obviously my growth is, like I said, been from flipping sort of houses to now doing yeah. sort of, multi-million pound blocks and yeah. I think the only way that that's really happened is uh, obviously building the professional team which doesn't come overnight you know you have to yeah. go through kiss a few frogs as I call it because there's uh, <laughs> you know there's some professionals who just don't turn out to be what they say they are so you know it takes time to build the right team and that comes the same with you know building some credibility and experience to then at least be able to then go out and you know, with when we've got meetings with potential investors, we can at least uh, show them what what we've done and where we're looking to go. And I think it's people who probably just share that, share those values, and also share the uh, the journey. They want to share the journey and like where it's going. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. That sounds good, man. So, what is the vision of the company? I mean, like, I mean, what do you see the company doing in the next five, ten years? I yeah, mean, like, um, yeah. It's probably changed a little bit. I, I was keen on doing like really big sites, like, like you know, where we've done 12. I thought, all right, next one I'm gonna do is like 40 and then a hundred. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, you know, big is not better, and we want to just be as best we can. And I think for us, it is you know, we're, we're comfortable at doing our sweet spot would you know, comfortably up to sort of 30 units, but really want to put out the best possible product that we can because. You know, it's it's not just about the numbers for us. We we like putting out quality housing, um, design design led homes, like I said, and it's constantly evolving. There's plenty of competition, yeah. and we want to just be able to stand out and you know make people happy that if they're buying or renting a home from us, they walk in saying, "Yeah, this is the one." You know, this is the one I want. Um, yeah, yeah. And it I think when you've got a product that stands out, I think it, it definitely helps. It makes sense, yeah. So you're saying that you're more competing more on innovation and quality as well as yeah, opposed to try to try 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 to be the cheapest one. You know what I mean? Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So what, yeah, and then what would you say has been your biggest financial success? Should we call it that? Or like biggest like wow, that was a really great project. And and what are some of the factors that you think made it that great? Yeah. Um, I mean it hasn't completed yet, but we've got a project at the moment where um we bought it unconditionally it's uh derelict bungalow but um we've got planning on it eventually took it time yeah. we'll see that was the first time we were learning about some things so yeah. it took its time but um 
it, I think we've added sort of uh, like 45% on it straight away. Just wow. So it's uh, yeah, wow. something like yeah. that. It's, and where the market is now, you know, we're just getting people who are looking to pay top money to, to buy it. So we might actually just flip it on. So I'd say say that was uh, yeah, that was a pretty good uh, uh, achievement for us. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, man. So, yeah, I mean, so it, it sounds like you're doing quite well. As you said, if the property market is, is, is quite... Is, is is rising a lot at the moment, isn't it? I mean, so, I mean, from where you're sitting or where you're standing, like, so uh, do you feel the property market will keep going up and up and up? Or do you feel it will, it will come to a point where it might plateau, as I said? Yeah, I mean, I I mean what's I'm, your outlook? What's your outlook? Yeah, I think I'm, I've asked that. I've been asked that question every other day, Royston, and it's hard, <laughs> it's hard to tell people. Um, I'll be honest, my view's changed a little bit. I think... Um, where we are now, I think the amount of stimulus that has gone into the uh, the economy from the government, number one, the yeah. financial liquidity in the market. So, you know, there's a lot of strong finance in the market at cheap rates. Uh, yeah. Cheap rates. And um, employment, you know, employ- unemployment, sorry, is, is on a decrease. I read something the other day. I think as things stand, I can't see there being a major decline if you like or a lot of people think that oh, the property market's gonna you know fall off a cliff it just the 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 factors just aren't there they don't add up however there will be a correction it's just you know part of property uh, property is a cycle Cycle, yeah correct correct yeah, yeah. it's what happens when that is it's hard to say if you really wanted me to put my uh hat in the ring uh, <laughs> i'd say we've got yeah at least I can't. I can't see any change anyway for at least 12, 18 months. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. Makes sense. I yeah. think it'll be a strong year next year as well. I think it's just you know you got to remember that people have been locked away and things are just about starting to get towards some normality. So people are you know are ready to sort of get things moving. Property market is evident of that. You know, there's um, there is just a lack of supply and a huge demand. And you know, supply when demand outweighs supply, you know that can only price goes up. Yeah. Cool, yeah. cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, it's, it's like, I guess it's, yeah, it's just rising and rising and rising. As you said, we know that there's always going to be a correction. So in terms of an investment mindset or investment outlook, I mean, there obviously diversification reduces risk, right? And it's, it's good to be diversified. I mean, in terms of you as an investor, are you 100% in properties or or do you like, do you invest in cryptos? Do you invest in anything else? Or are you just like, we only do properties. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in diversification, but I'm yeah. also a big, big believer in uh, doing what you know. And I'll be honest, <laughs> as much as crypto sounds, you know, it's intriguing for me. Yeah. I, I don't know what I'm doing, so I leave that. My brother invests for me, so uh, he, okay, he, he knows a bit more about that than me. Um, you know, I've got a bit in terms of commodities, so a little bit in gold and silver. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But aside from that, you know, I, I like sticking to to what I know. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, 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 property, I diversify a bit. So you know, we've got developments, but we've also got small management agency where we just you know got a government contract. So we're working, doing a little few bits and bobs like that as well. Yeah, as you said, uh, even though you know, actually, uh, I mean, I mean, properties itself can has has different ways to invest in property. I mean, as an investment accountant, um, I actually realized that even in properties, you can actually well, I, I used to work for different banks and stuff, and we have direct and indirect properties. So even like banks, et cetera, they invest in property by holding the properties. 
but they also invest in property funds. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, like what we call them reefs and REITs, right? And reefs, as you say, yeah, yeah. yeah, REITs and stuff. And as you're saying right now, that you can, in your business, you can still diversify because you effectively, all, all you, although you do like um, development, but you, you also do like managing properties. Mm. So that's, that, that's, that's like taking some risk off just like what you, you know what I mean? When one one is done, one will be up. Because managing, I guess you always need to manage properties, right? <clears throat> That's it, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Like you said, it's, it's just diversification. And we've got our own portfolio. So we thought, why not just set up a, a small management arm? Because, you know, we're pretty confident in the way we manage our properties. And, you know, as things stand, you know, all, all the tenants across our portfolio are very happy. So, um, so yeah. 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 Like and, yeah, 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 and, and like training people. I mean, have you ever thought about like you know doing a tr- like training, mentoring, coaching yeah, people? Like, yeah, it's a great question. Yeah, you know, I genuinely have a passion for helping people just because of my perception of the property education. Uh, let's say the uh, yeah, it's not what it cracks <laughs> up to be. We'll leave it at that. But um, yeah, yeah. I, as things stand, I haven't you know uh, looked out to do any coaching or mentoring, but it's definitely something that I look to do uh in the future but uh you know i'm liking what i'm doing now i think it's important not to stand still and make sure yes yes like yes doing you know preaching what you teach and all that so so yeah developments um right now is at the forefront of my mind yeah of course of course and i guess it's all about like momentum right just keep it going keep it going you know what i mean yeah. like 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 keep it going cool cool so what is i mean i know we spoke up this over quite a bit but what is your your ideal client. If someone was listening to this podcast and they're like, yeah, I, I want to do some, st- I want to work with this guy, either as an investor or either as someone with a property they want to develop. Well, what is your ideal client? The ideal person that you would like to approach you? Yeah. So we, you know, we work with what we call like sort of high net worth. So it, it's just, so it's in line with FCA guidelines. Um, there's two two t- different types of people, I guess, that I can give you examples of. So sometimes we have people who just say, look, I understand what you're doing, but I don't really care about understanding what's going on. You know, I just, <laughs> I understand on the numbers that, you know, I might not be earning what I should be earning with my money that's in the bank. Here's what I've got. Can you invest it? You know, what term, et cetera, et cetera. We then have someone else who wants to, you know, understand or learn a little bit about property. So, call it like i said learn and earn so they'll maybe invest something but sort of partner with us and want to understand so they might get you know sort of monthly updates what's going on they get then the opportunity to then ask questions and say why is things done like this you know why might we be looking at four exits when they thought are you just going to sell it but then we make them understand that you can't you know we we look to have multiple exits on all all projects for a reason um, so I'd say those two are the sort of two different um, investor sort of avatars or profiles that we we typically work with. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So I guess you have actually mapped that out. Um, yeah. So you, you know who you want to work with. So do you actually turn down people sometime or are you just like, uh, yeah. 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 Um, you know, there, there might be someone who just is, is starting out. We've had it actually, I think a couple of weeks back, someone who's, got some savings but they're just starting out they didn't quite meet that sort of uh threshold that we look for so we just you know just gave them had a call with them for about half hour and just said you know keep in touch um but just suggested a ulterior sort of route for them but yeah we we have turned people down we won't 
just work with everyone, anyone, because um, it's got there's got to be some sort of uh, synergy there. And um, the main thing is, you know, someone that understands they even if they're learning and earning, they're they're actually quite passive in in the investment because the day to day is uh, where we sort of have to earn our stripes, if you like, and uh, and get get the project going. So where can people find out more about you? Like, um, you know, what's what's your best ways for people to contact you or yeah, or get, or get yeah. information on you? Yeah, sure. So the the website, and it's uh, I'd love people to give me feedback. It's actually just been done, so this is mm-hmm. the time. Then. <laughs> yeah. uh, corporate.co.uk. Uh, drop us an email as well. Partnerships at with an S on the end at BarkshireCorporate.co.uk. And also on the website, there's a free download just giving some tips on how to you can get involved or invest in property. So, yeah, just feel free. Anyone who wants to uh, have a look at that, just put in your email address and you'll get that as a download, just a free gift from us. Um, and, yeah, there's sort of three three ways you can reach out. I'm on LinkedIn as well, Jay Chahan, and Instagram, Jay Chahan Property. Cool, 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 cool. All right, so a couple more questions for you. Um, I ask this question all the time. Um, what does a, a, a wealth mindset means to you? A wealth mindset versus a broke mindset. Okay, so what was sorry, a wealth mindset? Means. Yeah, wealth, yeah, wealth mindset means to you, yeah. And, and, and why you think it's important, like as an investor, to have kind of a wealth mindset versus a broke mindset, or what you call an abundant mindset versus a scarcity mindset? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'd say wealth mindset for me is the difference between thinking about being rich and the difference about being wealthy. So mm-hmm. with wealthy, you're thinking long-term, it's generation. With rich, it's instant, you know, um, and there is no there is no shortcuts to, to this game. You know, it takes, play the long game. And I think that's what uh, equals wealth and having that mindset. I like it. I like it. Play the long game. Yeah. Cool, cool. That, that makes sense. Obviously, rich. Yeah, obviously, uh, we all we all we all seen that people can win the lottery overnight and they can lose it, That's because, it. They're, because they're not thinking long term. I guess you know they, they haven't got a a wealth plan or a game plan. Or, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Good and financial intelligence or just yeah, I mean, how important is it? What does it means to you? And in your business, how important would you say it is to be financially intelligent, to be on the numbers, know the numbers? Yeah, well, obviously within property and a lot of businesses, the numbers are key. You know, they're the key in terms of understanding the intricacies of, you know, where where the numbers are in terms of bill costs, etc., end values, and just having that sensitivity analysis, so understanding that things can go up and down, and how does that affect your project? So financial intelligence is is paramount, uh, not just in property, but I think for anyone who's looking to start a business um who's looking to you know even build a business you need to know your numbers because that affects everything whether that's budgeting pnls yeah and and how would you define it i mean how would you describe it to someone um it's a good question Uh, (laughs) i'm not really sure how you describe it in terms of having that um financial intelligence i mean have a stab have a stab have a stab I think it's just the ability to um, understand your numbers, you know, just really sort of doubt, being able to go into the detail on it. Um, a lot of people can overlook that or even leave that to other people. But I think, you know, just as simple as know, know your numbers and 
you know, how, how they can actually change up and down. Yeah, yeah, of course, how, how they can impact you. I mean, I think the basic, the, the basic definition is to, yeah, use numbers to, or information to make decisions. Rather than just you, rather than just using your emotion, you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Look at the logic behind it. Yeah, yeah. I guess like in your field, you know, you have to kind of say, well, okay. Um, yeah. I mean, there's there's a bit of a gut feel, I would imagine. Mm. But I would imagine that there's a certain amount of like, what what does the numbers say? Like, does it stack up? Does it stack? Yeah. Isn't it? And always question them. You know, we like we've got external consultants and might see some numbers. Why is that? You know, why is it like that? You know, like you said, that comes from a bit of gut feel, but don't be don't be afraid to question the numbers as well, especially if it comes from someone externally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So for yeah, so for a business of your size, I mean, what would you say is the biggest risk? I whether it's financial or otherwise, I mean, what is what what is it the biggest risk that you kind of you, you your business is exposed to? Uh, what was exposed to obviously what we talked about so market changes. So yeah. conditions changing, that that can happen. Uh, and that's where it couples with not being able to have a project that has multiple exits. You know, if we can't sell, can we rent? If we can't rent to our first um, type of tenant, is there a second yeah. type of tenant? Um, can we sell it to a housing association? You, know, you have to have those multiple exits to um, sort of protect you from you know, market changes. Um, and market changes in property can, you know, when they do happen, they can have an impact big time uh, finance locking up as well so if the financial market started locking up the lending that could have an impact as well um, and then there's always the uh, always the uh, the lack of uh, quality stock so supply uh, in terms of the sites that we want to buy but at you know fair prices you know, at the moment the problem we've got is where pricing in the market is quite hot uh, landowners are thinking that their land's worth a lot more than realistically they are um and i'll say finally as well everyone's feeling it is bill costs you know they, they are uh materials are through the roof and that again impacts numbers um yeah yeah things are build up a lot higher and we have to build that into a project yeah so i guess you have you have to do a fair bit of yeah you said negotiation um understanding yeah the, the risk scenarios yeah, yeah plan, plan that's what it is. It's building in a larger contingency to um, protect us um, from any potential downside. Cool, cool, cool. And probably my final question for you is like, obviously, listen to you, I, really, I obviously, and I have a little understanding of properties as well. I mean, I guess you use a lot of your money, but you also have to leverage quite a bit of money. You have to borrow money as well, right? Yeah, so. Right. Yeah, if you was advising someone um, who wants to build the build their wealth, they want to get the properties, they want to get into anything as on, on on a scale like you have. How important would you say it is to either have, have a good credit profile, or, or how important is it to just tap on the banks, you know, borrow money and use other people's money? Yeah, uh, banks, you know, definitely when you're starting off and obviously looking to scale. You, you will have to use banks. And um, that's a very good point on credit reports. These are all things that they will look at as well as look at your CV. So, you know, if you can build that alongside a CV, just what's your experience? Or if you haven't got any experience, have you got a professional team that's got experience in what you're trying to do? Um, you know, there's banks that are supportive out there, especially right now, but you have to be able to, you know, show, show a bit of... Uh, 
bit of knowledge or a bit of experience behind you and like you said credit reports things like that will only go that far to, to help you as well all right, all right. So Jay Chahan, thank you very much. I, I think I managed to pronounce your surname yeah, by the end. Yeah, it's Arnold's surname. By the end of it, um, you know, it was, it was it was really great to having you on, and um, yeah, I wish I wish you massive massive success, and I'm sure we probably uh, you know just keep in touch. You know, I mean, part of doing the podcast is also building relationships as well. So you know, sure. just yeah, just just keep in touch. And if there's anyone who has the kind of money that you might want to work with. Outlook, I probably send them your way, you know. But obviously, yeah. networking, you know, you know, networking is like, is who do you have in your, in your network, you know? Mm-hmm. Like who, you know, somebody says, I want to do a development, but um, who can I use? Do you know anyone? Of course, I'll just spend almost like an hour speaking to you, so I kind of get a good flavor for what you do. And I hope that people obviously listen to this, and they can kind of get some information as well all about the way you work and the way you think. So hopefully, um, not just me using you as a network, but someone else might be listening and goes, let me check this guy out. I think you should check him out. Sounds like a solid guy to me. And um, yeah, so great to have you on, Jay. And um, Appreciate it. I, I want to wish you the very, very best. Thank you, Royston. Thanks for your time. Yes, yes. Thank you very much for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. You can find out more about me by Googling my name, Royston Cumberbatch. I'm on all the social media, Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn. You can find me on YouTube as Roy Cumberbatch. And if you are listening on YouTube, please hit that uh, subscribe button. Or you can find me on my website at www.rackmac.com. That's R A C M A C S.com. It'd be great to hear from you. And do feel free to tell me about any topics you want me to cover on future episodes. Until next time, be good to yourself and others. Keep positive and reaching for your financial goals. Bye-bye.